0: I'd like to welcome everyone to The Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 16 books, including including Before the Alamo, which was before The Choice, and those are her last two books, and they're must-reads, and you've gotten a little taste of both of them here, but get these books. Uh, Frank McKay, so much more importantly, Dr. Florence, buy him Weinberg is our host each and every week, and she's the subject of a documentary. She was the subject of a long radio series before she became her own host, and, and so many other things. Dr. Weinberg, how are you?
1: I'm doing okay,
0: let's yeah, you're, say. <laughs> you're hanging in there.
1: Hanging in, yes. <laughs> well, how, how are we
0: doing, and uh, and how is Evaldi uvaldi uh doing uh we um we got news yesterday but a lot of people maybe because father's day maybe because the holiday uh-huh. is here maybe they didn't pay too much attention to what happened but there is new new insight into uvaldi
1: yes yes as a matter of fact um uh, there were some opinion pieces in the newspaper also saying for heaven's sake can't we get off uvaldi because uh, this continual drumbeat uh up about that tragedy is preventing those poor people from uh from grieving from being private and uh, and tending to their own families and so on without interference from the press um and uh, unfortunately <laughs> the press has, has discovered something that i find incredibly shocking and yesterday's headline in the San Antonio Express News was the following. Police never tried to open class door. Oh. And, nice. and that is a shocker. I'm sure it sold a lot of newspapers yesterday. Uh, and the subheading says, source suggests entrance might have been unlocked due to glitch. But nobody tried the door, and therefore the uh, the shooter was able to kill everybody in the room, and those who were still alive bled out and died before uh, anything was done. And it was not the local police that did it. It was uh, one of the uh, border patrol. Officers who finally got so impatient that he broke the command uh, to stand back uh, and uh, and rushed the room. <laughs> and who knows, he might have just walked through uh, and uh, and shot the uh, the perpetrator. Uh, anyhow, let me uh, let me go on uh, uh, t- telling you about the discovery of this fact that maybe uh the door was unlocked. Uh surveillance footage shows that the police never tried to open the door to the uh, two classrooms at the Robb elementary school. Uh in this and now it's up to 77 minutes and this uh, it was 72 I think before and now we're adding five more minutes to it. Uh in the 77 minutes between the time a gunman entered the rooms and massacred 21 people, an officer finally stormed in and killed him. And uh, this is according to a law enforcement source. It's not uh, it's not a, uh, a reporter. Uh, it's somebody who saw the footage of the the camera that oversaw that area in in the uh, uh, in the school. So, um, so apparently, uh, he did not, as he went in, he did not lock the door behind him, uh, because if he had closed the door properly, it was programmed to lock automatically. And, uh, of course, it may have m- malfunctioned, who knows? And, according to this same article, he did shoot through the door. Uh, I think he may have heard the, the uh, footsteps outside, and that they were coming very close. And he shot through the door, and shrapnel wounded two of the uh, of the police, who then withdrew a few paces and never tried it. Never tried the door. Uh, so, I mean, I think I think this is just unspeakable, really. Uh, and uh, the janitor i think brought a huge ring of keys because if the door had functioned properly the only way to open the door was with a key and he brought a huge ring of keys uh, to the uh, to the school police who were standing there uh, and uh, and so they tried opening a classroom door, but it was not the classroom door. It was the door next to the classroom door. Apparently, they were afraid to touch the real door for fear they'd get shot. Mm-hmm. So uh, so they tried every key on that ring on the next door, and none of them opened the door. So they gave up and stood there. And stood there. Wow. And I don't know how they could have... St- and could have could have abided this long, long wait. It must have lasted centuries to some of them. It would have to me. Yeah. But uh, no, they uh, they were frozen in fear and did nothing. And so finally, uh, one of the one of the police who was not a native of the city or even connected with it in any way, um, who had been called up decided to take the initiative and get in there. And, of course, the uh, uh, the police who have commented on this whole thing from uh, from practically everywhere say that waiting it out when there's an active shooter is against all protocols for handling a situation like that that uh, an active shooter demands an an immediate response in order to to, uh, uh, save as many lives as possible. And what happened was, with all that delay, as many people as possible died, which is the opposite to what is supposed to happen. And, of course, I can't imagine the, the bitterness of... Of the parents of those children, especially those who made calls, there were seven calls from inside that those rooms to 911 that apparently were never uh, transferred to uh, Arredondo, who was the uh, the head of the uh, of the uh, school police. He never heard any of those calls. So the urgency of the situation was never quite clear to him. Or if it had been clear to him, he never responded uh, in a humane way. He was simply willing to let everybody die who was wounded in there. Amazing. And yet, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, that's about all I can say about this, except that it. Uh, it it leads to profound grief and shock um, in people who uh, are totally unrelated to the situation. Imagining standing in front of a door and not trying to open it, not even put, laying your hand on the uh, uh, on the doorknob or the door latch. I'm sorry, Frank. What? It's,
0: it's amazing to me. I guess to anybody listening to this. That something like this is even possible, right? Right. <laughs> and, and, and again, I, I guess we got to be careful with with everything that uh, that it doesn't become uh, politicized, you know, and and that uh, you know it's it, it's a tragedy, it's death, it's it's children, it's all of these things. But obviously, there's a lot in there that are uh, that that has to do. With uh, how well people's reactions, I should say, are 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 very politicized when uh, when it comes when when it comes to children, it comes to the safety of children. It should never be, it should never be a a part of a uh, a political discussion. But it is, and we know it is. Uh, Do you think this changes this horrendous action here? Uh, do you think this changes anybody's opinion on anything in uh, in that town? Do you think uh, in, in in your town in your in your beautiful city of of San, uh, San Antonio um, do do any it, it, does anything move the meter and again, our thoughts and prayers are, are of course with the victims and the loved ones of the victims. but do you think this changes anybody's thought? on anything whatsoever, or is it just uh, do people overlook the uh, the situation if it doesn't fit their own personal narrative?
1: Well, I think there are plenty of people like that who are so indoctrinated by the National Rifle Association, which no longer has the power that it formerly did, uh, having been shown to be utterly corrupt, Uh, and uh, now bankrupt as well, or attempting to be bankrupt so they won't have to pay damages. Uh, uh, But they believe that the Second Amendment says that you can have any gun that you can afford to buy uh, as early as 18 years old and do whatever you want. And in Texas, you can carry these things openly in the street. So you can walk down the street with, an uh, let's say, an AR-15 uh, or an AK-47, and the police can't stop you. Nobody can stop you. I suppose they would stop you if uh, uh, if somebody walked up to you and said, uh, uh, how dare you uh, threaten the public at large with a weapon of war confronting the person and the person uh, pointing the gun at that uh, uh, at that objector and threatening them. I think the police might have the, the right to intervene in that case. But uh, if there's no hostile exchange or threat, then they can march around and intimidate everybody. Now, I haven't seen any of this. I've been uh, downtown and around and with crowds, uh, and I have not seen any open carry, uh, but I'm sure in certain circumstances, certainly at the rodeo, for instance, I'm sure people were carrying pistols on their hips uh, just to show that they could and that they were tough guys and and uh, worthy of being Texas cowboys. Uh, and I, And that would be about the extent of the open carry. But uh, I imagine there are some teenagers who believe that uh, that would be the brave and wonderful thing to do. Uh, So as soon as they turn 18, they'll be uh, be able to do it, at least with AK-47s and and (laughs) AR-15s. So it's an absurd situation here in Texas. Uh, but as far as changing minds, uh, San Antonio is sharply divided between people who believe that there should be intelligent and strong and observed uh, uh, restrictions on on the guns and who can have them and and how they can procure them and so on, <clears throat> and the other people who believe that anything goes. So, uh, really, I don't think anybody's mind is moved. People are sorry, uh, that the children got killed, but, uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, that's, that's become no- the norm. And the other thing I think I'm, I said last time, perhaps, uh, in psychiatry, if you have had a traumatic experience and you are dreaming about it and living it and can't get can't can't carry on your your life your normal life because of it, the recommendation of the psychiatrist is that you tell the story of it and you tell it repeatedly, and that will dull your fear and horror. And eventually, it will become just a story that you're telling. And that way, you cure yourself. Well, it's the the same thing with these repeated massacres. They repeat themselves, and you say, oh, my God, this is horrible. How can this happen? And you grieve about it um, the first time. And the second time, your grief is a little shorter and a little less profound until you just sort of shrug your shoulders to say, oh, okay, thoughts and prayers, and then you go on with your normal routine. So I think the repetition of these horrors uh, has made them appear to be normal, ordinary, everyday occurrences. This is life in the United States, unfortunately.
0: You know, a couple of years ago, a couple of years back, I completed this. Um, I, I completed this this little mission of mine to go to every baseball stadium in uh, in the country, and, and I've been to almost fifty, maybe more than fifty, because some don't exist anymore. Uh, but I've been to all thirty of the major league parks, and one of the one of the parks that I found to be beautiful. Was, uh, was Houston Astros Minute Maid Park in, in Houston, Texas. But one of the things that really stood out to me about, uh, about that um, replacement, I guess, of the Astrodome, right? The Astrodome was probably the predecessor, if not, and by the way, it's still up the Astrodome. It's, uh, it's you know, it, in many ways, it was like a modern modern Marvel marvel. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's not a uh, not not a bad idea to maybe keep it up because it was the first kind of uh, stadium of its kind and to play baseball and football there. And it was a, it was a dome stadium, air conditioned and so forth. Uh, it's a little run down. It's a little beat up. And you can't you know, I, you can't go in. But during Hurricane Harvey, when, that's when I went there, it was uh, Harvey. I brought supplies as a, a volunteer. I drove a, a, a truck with a, a group of other guys. So, anyway, so I I ended up going to uh, to the stadium um, to, to you know to to getting a ball game after I was done dropping off my supplies. And there are signs around, and I'm trying to find it as we're speaking here, and I just I can't get a good quick Google search on it. But there are signs that I was really surprised to see because we did not. I, I have not seen them anywhere else in the country but it, it says something along the lines of uh, that you cannot bring um, an open firearm uh, you know uh, you mm-hmm. cannot bring a, a firearm into the uh, stadium and there there is prominent signs saying this and mm-hmm. there are signs like that don't get me wrong because I uh, I can imagine getting emails or calls saying hey what are you talking about there no there are but not prominently displayed like this, and I guess because uh, Texas is an open o- open carry site, and and it's all of that. Um, I think you, uh, I, you know, it, it, you know, it's it's you have to look at Houston as being, uh, and not only Houston, but uh, you know the Dallas is, um, uh, you know, is where the Rangers they play in Arlington, uh, Texas, right, which is right outside of Dallas. And uh, and maybe they would have a similar sign. I just didn't notice them. I didn't notice the uh, uh, the signs there. But in Houston, in this beautiful ballpark, I did, and they were all around, and they were very, very, very specific about them. And I, I so I took pictures of the signs, and um, and I have them somewhere. I'll 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 share it next time we have this subject. I'll I'll make sure I find them by then. The other point I want to make, and I don't want to uh, belabor the point, but um. When I went to Central America, and I, I did a I did a uh, bus trip, and I specifically wanted to I didn't want to go to any resorts. I wanted to to meet the the people along the way that uh, mm-hmm. we are are calling or, or different politicians have called, um, uh, you know I don't know rapists or whatever you know. And I know they were talking Mexicans or whatever, but Central Americans uh, get lumped in there too. Um, and I guess starting with Guatemala. So I did six of the seven countries in Central America on a bus trip. And it's a really good way to, to go because it's kind of kind of starts out, you know, on a tika. I think it's a tika bus, uh, they call it. It's like a greyhound. And one of the things that I noticed in, uh, in each of our stops, and uh, especially in Guatemala El Salvador. I went everywhere but Belize. I I just couldn't get up there. And I did this straight run through Central America on a Tika bus. And when Mm -hmm. you go to the store in Guatemala, let's say, and when I say store, I mean like the equivalent to a 7 Eleven, a convenience store, or a beverage store, or a drug store, what you will see outside in most cases is an armed man. And uh, a man with some kind of uh, automatic rifle. There, mm-hmm. it, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre sight. I've also got pictures of that. Um, but when you uh, when you come in to a store, uh, you notice that these you know these aren't necessarily you know what you would consider professional security guards. These are, these are people that you know are, are probably getting very low wages, and yeah. uh, and they're mm-hmm. just handed this this gun and. I, I, I know it's a long uh, you know it's a we're going a long way around uh to to make a point here but um very it, th- that's the only place i've ever seen um non-military people openly brandishing uh assault weapons right i mean these are you know and some of them are very old um old looking you know the these weapons mm-hmm. these aren't soldiers by the way these are just like guys that needed a job, and they've they've got to hold, you know, they they've got to hold the machine gun to uh, keep people out. And one last point about, you know, say Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras, um, I I saw, and I'm pretty sure it was Guatemala. Um, like a, a, a young woman was walking into the into the store, and the man with the gun ran over to open the. I guess to be chivalrous, right? To uh, uh to maybe even flirt with the young woman and he ran over to um open the door and when he did the gun this automatic weapon was swinging around his neck and i uh, and and i you know took note that it could accidentally you know I, who knows maybe there's a lock on it i'm sure there's a safety but as he's running to you know be chivalrous right or, or flirtatious or, you know you pick it um uh, you know to open the door this uh, this gun is swinging from his neck. I mean it's it was it was frightening and uh, and yes. as, I'm sure you know one one wrong hit of the trigger could could set that thing off. I don't know anything about guns, but that's what disturbs me is if you're allowed uh, if, if everyone's allowed to have a gun like that, uh, we don't know what their habits are. what if they go drinking, what if they have bad? Uh, what if they have bad tempers what if they have mental illness which obviously we're seeing more and more the assault re- uh, weapons are what bother the heck out of me and uh and i don't care who you are you do not need a uh and a, a you don't need a machine gun you don't need an uzi to kill a deer right
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly uh something occurred to me while you were just you were speaking about uh, accidents happening. Yep. Uh, one thing that uh, that our Governor Greg Abbott said uh, on the day after the shooting, uh, then confessed that he had been misinformed. But his remedy, the, the, one of the remedies that he proposed was to harden the school. And he repeated the cliché that uh, a bad guy with a gun can only be stopped by a good guy with a gun. Uh, Okay, Uh, if you look at the situation at Uvalde, that school was already hardened. Those doors, the outside door, that was opened by a teacher propped open with a stone while the teacher did a little errand, then came back, removed the stone, and closed the door, but the door did not lock as it was supposed to do automatically. Uh, That door was hardened, but it didn't function correctly. And then we come to the headline of yesterday. Uh, The door might have been open. Uh, If it was open, it was because... The lock did not function as it was designed to do because all classroom doors in that school were built to lock when they were when they were shut, so nobody from the outside could get in without a key so if that door were opened, then the hardened door misfunctioned, and two doors then misfunctioned and the of course uh, police who were supposed to storm in to that room and uh, and shoot the shooter uh, also misfunctioned so th- those were the good guys with the guns and they didn't do their job so uh, what Greg Abbott says would stop a bad guy failed in three ways uh, door one door two and the police themselves, the good guys. So it shows that that plan does not necessarily work because of mechanical failure and human failure. Those things cannot be relied on to solve the problem. In other words, the only thing that will solve the problem, perhaps, uh, are laws to control uh, the use and of of firearms. And uh, in my opinion, the total banning of weapons of war uh, owned by civilians, they should not have such weapons in their possession. There's no earthly reason to have them. You can't hunt with them because they destroy the game that you shoot instead of simply killing it as a rifle bullet would do. Uh, and the that's the only thing. I mean, are you going to do target practice where it, it will blow up the target completely? I doubt it. So uh, they have no function other than killing people and, and blowing them apart in the process, and this is not something that an 18-year-old child should have. Yeah.
0: Child is the key <laughs> word there. I mean, I know very few... Um, 18-year-olds that I would say are men or women, uh, full-grown women. I have a 19-year-old, you know, and and the thing is that, you know, she still has a lot to learn, as I did at at 19 years old, and um, I I don't know that that someone at that age has full control of their emotions.
1: No, of course not. And uh, uh, I married at the age of 21, and I was quite aware uh, that I didn't know much one thing, i had been through college and and through uh, a year of graduate uh, studies, uh, but I knew I didn't know much because I hadn't lived long enough uh, for one thing, but I dared to to, uh, take on the responsibilities of married life anyway, much to my parents' uh, horror. (laughs) And uh, uh, in any case, even at 21, you're not not all that adult. Uh, So 18, I mean, that's you are a child at that point. There's no question about it. Exactly. I, yeah. What else is on
0: your mind? You had another subject we were talking briefly.
1: Yes, I did have another subject, and I think it's very, it's both amusing and and I think thought-provoking, and it was um, a speech by Lindsey Graham for the Faith and Freedom coalition meeting in Nashville this past week. And Daily Kos uh, is where I got uh, wind of this. And the headline for it says, In Two Sentences, Lindsey Graham Explains the Difference Between Republicans and Democrats. (laughs) And uh, the piece is written by Mark Sumner, uh, who I think is a regular at Daily Kos. Uh, It came out uh, on Saturday, actually, uh, this past Saturday, June 18th. And it says, this opening sentence of this speech is the following. You know what I liked about Trump? Everybody was afraid of him, including me. And then he goes on. He gets applause and laughter for that. It's true, he goes on. Everyone was afraid of Trump. I woke up every morning concerned that he might launch a military attack to distract from his latest scandal or destroy a a diplomatic alliance to fit some twisted narrative or finger some group of Americans as the source of all the nation's ills or ruin the environment just because he could. There were good reasons to fear all those things, because they all happened. Wow. Trump Trump was and is an erratic, logic-free id storm whose tantrums often call for his followers to rain down abuse on anyone he deems a critic. He's a guy who thinks his ability to hate powerfully is his best quality. He may even be right. The difference is Republicans like it. They like being afraid. They want that bully at the bully pulpit. They want a strong man to tell them what to do, to yell at anyone who strays from the chorus, and to threaten everyone who refuses to go along with the, with the fascistic flow. They don't want to have to deal with facts and reason, much less justice and fairness. Republicans like being afraid of Trump. It's no wonder that they are always making paintings and posters in which Trump is some muscle-bound action hero. Because admitting they enjoy being bullied by the actual Trump is simply pathetic. End quote.
0: Wow. I, I, when well, you said indeed, the right. first line, <laughs> when you said the first line, I was going to say Trump is going to love this. You know, that he, he said, uh, everyone's afraid of Trump, including me. Now, I, I, yep. I think the, the Trumpers will, will take that first part and ignore the last part. But there's going to be some people that are very angry with Lindsey Graham about this. And, um, I think, Obviously, uh, the majority of them will be mad at this, but Lindsey Graham has has been very candid on on several occasions. On on uh, January sixth, while I was down there when I went down to cover, uh, he he came out and he you know uh, the one thing about Lindsey Graham, he said, and I think I brought this up before, but he said, "Look, they told me originally there were ten thousand or there were thousands of of examples of fraud," and he said, "Good, show them to me." And then he said they didn't come. So then I, he said, "Well, show me a thousand. Well, then then show me a hundred. Uh, can you show me ten? Uh, can you show me one? Can you just show me one pure example of 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 fraud on uh, on the election? You know, show it to me. He said, and they didn't show me one. He said, uh, mm-hmm. Joe, he said Joe Biden. He said I was. This is Lindsey Graham's words, and I'm paraphrasing. But he said Joe Biden is somebody that I prayed wouldn't get in. I know Joe Biden. He said I was uh, supportive of Trump. I prayed Trump would win. He didn't. Joe Biden won. And this is Lindsey Graham's words and not my words, not your words. This is Lindsey Graham's words. And when he said that, uh, it was the he was the bane of uh, of many of those people that I was uh, interviewing without a microphone. I didn't I didn't dare have a microphone or or whatever, but uh, he was the bane of many of the people that I was walking around that had stormed the Capitol that day that were in my hope that were in my hotel lo- lobby that I was in uh, was a very disturbing day in, uh, in general. But Lindsey Graham to me um, was, was as honest as you could be for a Republican mm-hmm. on that moment at that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what struck struck me about this uh, is that ex- this is exactly why the, the Germans fell in line uh, under Hitler, because they were petrified of him, because he could actually – of course, uh, Trump never got that kind of power, although uh, he brought the ire of the media down on people um and uh very often he could uh, persecute people legally and other ways too uh but the, the bad publicity was uh was his mode of punishing people um but hitler uh Hit- hitler could actually cart you off to a concentration camp if you crossed him. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so the, uh, the German people were petrified, uh, as uh, uh, Lindsey Graham and everybody else probably would under similar circumstances. What, uh, what makes me ashamed of our civilization here in the United States is that people could be so intimidated by someone like, like uh, Donald Trump. Intimidated into believing whatever he said, um, and making him into some sort of superhero, uh, because they are afraid of him, and therefore they obey him. Uh, but they have to rationalize it, and the other rationalization is pe- uh, depicting him as Jesus on the cross. Yeah, I saw one which I find in that,
0: that in that lobby. I saw one in that lobby. Christ on the cr- uh, cross as Trump. Trump as Christ on the cross. It was amazing.
1: Yes. Uh, and that picture was uh, was publicized uh, across the country as well. It was published. Uh, so I've seen it uh, secondhand like that. But you saw it firsthand. Yeah, do
0: you remember when I came back from down there or, or I might have still been down there? And I I called you and I told you about that. And you were like, yes, oh, yeah, and you were disturbed. And you've seen subsequently you've seen
1: that picture, right? I had I had already seen it, oh, you had seen it and I was I was about to tell you about it, and you you upped one up to me wow. thoroughly by saying, "Yeah, I saw the original." <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know any.
0: I don't know of any other president that has gotten that treatment from their their fandoms. I mean, you know, Kennedy was deified, in, in some ways, after his death. But, you know, not quite like this. I mean, this is... Not
1: like that, no.
0: Not, not like this. This is different. This
1: is different. No, because uh, people actually believed that he was a righteous individual and uh, uh, and a good man. And nobody was under the illusion that, uh, not really under the illusion that Trump was righteous unless they were a little bit touched in the head. Uh, I think some of those who follow Q... Uh, QAnon. Um, I think some of those are touched enough in the head to believe that uh, that he was a Christ figure, that he was uh, he was chosen by God to come to save the country. Uh, so those who believe that, um, of course, believe he is some kind of deity. Uh, but I think a small fraction of the third of people who are claiming that the uh, election was stolen and that Trump really won and all of that only a small fraction actually believe that God has chosen Donald Trump and that he's really still the president and all of that. Yeah.
0: There were there were parts of of people that I knew. Uh, first of all, I. This is the first. This is the first election that I know of that actually broke up marriages, and I'll give you an example. This, um, there, there was this husband and wife who, at the time, they had a thirteen-year-old and a fifteen-year-old. You know that were friendly with my kids, and they split up over the two thousand and sixteen election and the, mm-hmm. the strange part maybe this isn't strange maybe i'm being stereotypical but the woman was pro trump the the wife in the marriage was pro trump and the man was uh, was pro hillary or at least anti trump i don't know if he was pro hillary but he was uh he was supportive of of hillary and they split up and i remember speaking to both of them and and i i think one of them listens to us here so you know i'm i'm just being candid i'm not saying anybody's name but I, I said to both of them separately, "Are you guys crazy? Are you, are you crazy to, to get into a, a, a position where you're going to end your, your family as we know it over this? And you know, you in support of Trump, and then I said to the other one, you against Trump. But you know, this is, uh, you know, th- this is an outrageous move that uh, that you're." that you're making this is just an unbelievable an unbelievable moment and uh, and again they split up the family over this yeah. you know over this this is um i it just I, I i couldn't believe it i couldn't get over it and i <laughs> i i just don't yeah I, I i i've never seen that before in addition to that there were these uh these men that were um they're identical twins and I think they were 40-something years old, best of friends for the, the longest time. And they were down in Meriden, Mississippi, I believe. And I, I never saw any coverage on it, and you know, so I don't feel like I was, I was left out. But I tried to get in touch with them. But they split up their friendship, their love of each other. They split up over Trump uh, and, and the 2016 election. One of them loved Trump and one of them hated Trump. And I wanted, I, I wanted desperately to interview those, those two, and I was going to be as unbiased as I could possibly be in a situation like that. But uh, yeah. do you, do you remember any politician, nevertheless uh, American politician, that has been this polarizing? Um, as no. as uh, President Trump was.
1: Not that polarizing. Although uh, I remember, uh, as a child, I was. Uh, Oh, I don't know how old I was. See, Roosevelt must have been uh, must have been elected in '32, 1932, yep. and so I was born the next year. Uh, and then the the first he was first reelected when I was three, and so I must have been seven. Uh, and, and therefore conscious, uh, when Wendell Wilkie uh, was running against him and was cursing him. In those days, there were no uh, rules about using curse words on the radio because there was no TV. Uh, and he was calling him uh, all kinds of uh, nasty words, and And I was furious. And I uh, I think I threw something at the radio. <laughs> because I was very angry that anyone would uh, behave that way towards our president. After all, he was the president and therefore deserved respect, I thought, as a child. And then when he died, uh, the newsboy was distributing papers around our block, and as he peddled away, he said, uh he shouted the old bastard is dead at last oh my god yes and so apparently there was a faction uh of people in the united states who hated fdr uh so i think there was a sharp division and hatred uh towards uh fdr uh in the country and uh, i woke up to that um as a child of seven, that that was possible. Well, I even I, I knew it uh, during the campaign earlier on when I was. Uh, th- that is, uh, I woke up to it uh, later on when he died. But at seven already, I knew it because of Wendell Wilkie's behavior, which was hateful. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think any president who has a strong uh programs and uh manages to get them pushed through uh is going to arouse hatred uh I think if Biden for instance was able to take uh, action against automatic weapons um and remove them from uh, from the populace that he would arouse uh hatred he might even arouse a revolution uh among uh, the the uh the militias of this country of which there are probably many more than we realize so uh yeah politics apparently arouses uh feelings so strong that they yeah that families split up and couples split up over it uh and you th- you think well these are ideas these are these are not really uh worth breaking up an actual family (laughs) over. I mean, it's uh, beyond most people's ken that such a thing can happen, and yet it does happen uh, a lot, I think. People are not speaking to each other. Good friends have have stopped talking to each other uh, over Trump
0: you know here's here's the difference the most polarizing president uh, in in our history history obviously was abraham lincoln uh, his election even before he took office um, had uh, what 13 seat, uh, states uh, secede from the uh, from the union immediately right before he got to washington dc they left the union right they just uh, all and, and started a civil war and I, but the the issue was slavery right that was yeah. the issue uh there's a huge difference in 2017 when president trump took over there was no there was no serious issue like that i'm not saying there's not serious issues in the country there are but there there wasn't uh men owning other men people only owning, mm-hmm. owning each other it wasn't that there wasn't uh you know people uh being set brother against brother because they wanted to own other people. I mean, it's uh, the evils of slavery. uh, We knew one day we were going to have to, you know, bathe ourselves in blood as I I, am paraphrasing, um, uh, you know, several people who said those things, but, but that was, Mm -hmm. that was slavery. If you could tell me anything that, uh, that is close to slavery in 2017 when president Trump took over, um, tell me i don't see it i don't i don't know anything that that is uh is that serious right right and,
1: absolutely and yeah yet, and yet and yet yeah yeah we didn't have an earth-shaking uh cause to to uh, fight over <laughs> it was this one individual's personality this uh, what does he call him? This erratic logic-free id storm, whose wow. tantrums often call for his followers to rain down abuse on anyone he deems a critic. Yeah, an id storm.
0: Wow, uh, Id, Id storm as an id, id right? Id, and I yeah, as the Freudian term e- Id. And, right. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing to me. I uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is to Lindsey Graham um to
1: others Yeah right name? Uh there were something like 3000 comments um after uh, uh Daily Kos published this there were 3000 comments on that Twitter uh and uh, most of them were anti-Trump comments. Wow. Yeah. See, I, so there's. I
0: wonder. I wonder how it's going to uh, how it's going to play out. Do other poli- Not to cut you off, Doc, but do other politicians? Do other Republicans chime in, and uh, and and say, you know, great job, Lindsey Graham, or uh, does he get called out? I think, I think that people are going to be silent on it, not defend Trump. Um, Some will, of course, Uh, you know, let's see what your let's see what your uh, governor does. Um, Yeah. You know, if he's smart, he shuts up and just uh, and just says, oh, that's uh, that's Senator Graham. You got to talk to him about it. I'm not I'm not commenting on Senator Graham, you know, Uh, or they can go to the old uh, Ronald Reagan. uh, Never speak will of uh, ill of another Republican. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to, you know, say that the Ronald Reagan uh, commandment or whatever um could something like that could happen uh, in closing what's what's your prediction what's going to be the the backwash from uh or the backlash I should say from Lindsey Graham's comments about president trump
1: uh i i suspect mainly silence uh the uh, of course the anti trump people are not silent but the pro trump people uh like uh governor uh, greg abbott are silent There hasn't been a peep out of him, as far as I know, uh, since the Uvalde shooting, when he shot off his mouth the next day uh, and then had to acknowledge that he had been misinformed and that there were not great heroics by the police uh, and that everything, the hardened school, (laughs) had misfunctioned. And none of that came out uh... certainly not from the governor's mansion uh... so i think the republican side is just going to be quiet and let all of this blow over which is what they have always done with mass shootings just keep, it, just keep your cool don't say anything and uh... and the uh... the democrats will forget all about it especially if there's another mass shooting uh... so that's my final comment the commentary will come from democrats and silence and waiting uh and of course indicating that you're pro pro guns pro uh, second amendment uh, misread uh and and so on and being a great patriot uh, because uh, the republicans all want to pose as freedom loving um Let's see what uh, yeah the podium that uh, uh, that uh, Lindsey Graham spoke from had uh, faith and freedom on the front of it wow. <laughs> faith and freedom uh, and patriotism and those are that is the pose of the Republican Party. We are the faithful ones. We are the free ones, and of course, uh, we are loyal, and we are loyal to uh, the Lord, and the Lord's name is Donald Trump.
0: Amazing! What a you know what a uh, <laughs> what a show! Actually, a lot of good, two great issues uh, subjects, and we could we could do a whole show on on both of them separately. But wow! Great job, Doc. Uh any final words to uh to everyone? We talked uh Uvaldi, we talked Lindsey Graham, Trump. Uh any final words from you? Well,
1: I can only say uh, try to find the truth. If you're going to Pledge yourself to some cause or other. Uh, find out whether it's a worthy cause, and be honest with yourself in doing so. Because if you tell yourself lies and you know they are lies, then you're on the wrong track, and you you know it. Yeah. No. And that's <laughs> that's my final word.
0: And and that that is it's a good place to end, Frank McKay signing off you've been listening to dr florence by him weinberg and we'll see you next time on the florence weinberg show